0: Today is March 23rd, 2020. I'm doing these release date intros because the podcasts are recorded three to four weeks back. And I wanna give you a near real-time update to give you better perspective because some of the comments that are recorded in here, you know, three weeks ago, it just doesn't make sense anymore. So I felt like I need to do these intros to like give you a better perspective as far as where it's coming from and the current updates that are happening here. So first and foremost, I want to make sure and I hope that you and your loved ones are safe and you're able to take those extra precautions that are needed. And a quick update on the COVID-19 coronavirus. I mean, it's a growing global pandemic and the United States remains under a state of national emergency. A lot has changed over this last week. National borders are closing. States are shutting down, asking everybody to stay home, setting curfews. People are requested to work from home if they can. Others are sadly in the process of being laid off. Hoarding seems to continue in stores, and it would be nice if stores could implement a quantity limit so that each household has a chance to purchase their necessities. I want to give a shout-out to Costco because they implemented a quantity limit very well. They directed traffic through the process, and they were in an orderly manner where they kept people at a safe distance it was really inspiring to see how they were able to structure and continue to run their business while keeping everybody safe allowing everybody a chance to purchase their necessities i will be working to give current updates that is that relates to building your online business along the way with other work from home based opportunities these are important times right now so i want to do these release intros just to give you better perspective. On the timing, because things seem to be updating and changing every day. If you want to plug into a community so you're not alone, you're welcome to join our online Dropship Chicago group. It's free. Actually, we're hosting a virtual town hall event March 25th, covering the state of e commerce dropshipping. You can go to dropshipchicago.com to RSVP. Go to dropshipchicago.com to RSVP. If you'd like to be a part of my inner circle, you can join my personal Dropshipping Insiders group. This is where I give real-time, valuable, actionable, unfiltered information, and you get personal one-on-one connection with me. You can find a link to that in the show notes. Now, about three weeks ago, February 28th, I recorded a podcast with Kian Galzari. He's one of the best Chinese product sourcing experts on the planet, and at the time that we recorded, we talked a great deal about the coronavirus, and that's where we Released that specific episode about the coronavirus. But now I want to give you the full length podcast. The duration is about an hour. Now, keep in mind that this was recorded about three weeks ago. And like I said, it's a little weird because some of the comments and the social norms that we were talking back then uh, just sort of doesn't make sense with the current times right now. So that's why I wanted to do this release intro. But have a listen. I hope you enjoy. It's a full podcast episode with Kian Gozari. Thank you everybody, Brian McComber here with Tech Money Talks. I am really excited today because we have a very special guest on the podcast. We are fortunate to have Kian Gilzari as a special guest on the show. And if you don't know who he is, then you're missing out big time because Kian is a leading expert in product sourcing from China product branding and is becoming a major influencer in this space kian has personally visited over 500 factories and sourced over 2500 products kian has manufactured for brands such as the nba the united nations and the olympics kian continues to raise a bar and he's been keeping it real i'm telling you this brother's been keeping it real the whole time If you're interested in starting an online business to make extra money, you better save this episode in your back pocket and listen to it over and over again, because the stories and the tips you're gonna learn here will give you the opportunity to quickly launch your own business to help your wallet grow fat. Kian is a major player and is a strategic partner in e-commerce for big box retailers and Amazon sellers. Kian's company also specializes in helping others with product design, manufacturing, best practices, price negotiations, and much more. I tell you, time is money and everyone's looking to get a piece of his time. And I'm so happy to have him on the show today. Kian, thanks for joining us, man. How's it going? I'm great,
1: man. I'm great. Thanks very much for that kind introduction. It's a pleasure (laughs) to be here and uh, great to be on the show. It's a real honor.
0: Awesome, man. Yeah. Well, really great stuff, man. You deserve it. You've been absolutely crushing it for sure. And I think uh, doing a lot of great things and it's a really great topic that we can dive into because I think it's been uh, a topic that we haven't touched much on, but is really important, especially for people that are looking to grow their business to the next level. But I'd say, you know, for the audience, maybe we could start out by taking a step back so they can get to know you a little bit better and you can kind of share your journey into business and e-commerce.
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I was very lucky and fortunate in that I sort of got involved in the manufacturing role about 10 years ago. And when I graduated from university, so I'm, I'm from the UK, from Scotland, uh, went to university in Glasgow, but did a year abroad in Miami. So I uh, lived wow. there for a year. That was awesome. And then, you know, when I finished that up, uh, I was lucky enough to join my family business. In it. it was like a medium-sized company specializing in like camping and outdoor goods. So tents, backpacks, sleeping bags, all that sort of stuff. And, uh, you know, my dad asked me, do you want to take over the sort of manufacturing side of the business and the products? I was like, yeah, sure. So I went to China for the first time with him, um, like over 10 years ago, he showed me the ropes and I really learned the ins and outs of like, you know, dealing with Chinese manufacturers. And then I just loved it. And the first time I went there, I just stayed for two, I was supposed to stay for two weeks, ended up staying for three months and then kept going back and forth and then eventually moved there and lived in Shanghai for like three years set up an office there, and in that time just visited so many different factories. I got obsessed with uh, developing products um, and really just solving problems through products. And then through that, that then led to working with brands like the Olympics, NBA, United Nations, because essentially these are like three very different customers, whether they're uh, big box retailers or they're like disaster relief for the Olympics or for like sport licensing products within the NBA. But the common denominator is that like if you can just make High quality product at great pricing, delivering on time, just ticking all the right boxes and just always over delivering, then you can supply whoever you want. And I just sort of um, tailored my work into sort of projects that I was passionate about. So I love the MBA I made it a goal of mine to supply the NBA, and then within six months, uh, I was doing that as well. So it also kind of stems from uh, having manufacturing best practices.
0: Wow man that's really awesome and it's cool that started out as a as a family business so was your family was that like an e-commerce business as well back then 10 years no, ago yeah so that's interesting and
1: i got involved in business just more like b2b so we were just sort of uh, supplying business to business to other retailers and we were like developing products under our own brand and then other stores would purchase from us and then we were also developing products for Uh, big box retailers in the UK and in Europe and in the US, and we were actually creating brands for them and then putting those brands in their stores and just sort of doing better than what they were currently doing in terms of offering them products with better features, lower prices. And we didn't do it in our own brand because, you know, at that time, we didn't want to dilute our own brand, which was perceived as like medium to high level. And then, you know, big box retailers kind of want things at the lowest possible prices. So, yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, and then, you know, e-commerce really just came out of nowhere, you know, like five, six years ago, it really took off and like, you know, people started making a lot of money through uh, Amazon and Facebook ads and, and things like that. So after yeah. that is when we started to pay attention to it. And now we've started to, you know, take different strategies to sell on different online platforms, whether it be crowdfunding, Amazon uh, or wherever
0: no yeah i can see that for sure so yeah operating b2b and what was it like so even then like when you first went to china and then you know learning the ropes you know maybe describe that you know what what did you go through there
1: yeah that was super interesting because you know china i I first got there in 2010 and it's just changing so fast like every six months i would go there would it would be completely different to the six months I was there prior like there would be a new like five-star hotel or a new international airport or a new like bridge or highway and it's just it was just going through a constant growth and that's really why I wanted to move and live there just to be immersed in that growth because yeah when you you live in an environment which is constantly growing and businesses are constantly flocking there then you like you you then become a part of that growth whereas where I'm from like my hometown in Edinburgh Scotland every time I'd go back everything was the same, you know, people are still doing the same jobs, you go through the same thing on weekends, same restaurants, and then you go back to China and you're like, wow, this wasn't here, this wasn't here. And it's just so much (laughs) growth. And like, you just get addicted to that growth. It's kind of like, you know, personal development as well. Those who seek personal development really then just immerse themselves in it and can't stop growing. And that was kind of the same with China. And, you know, it was a complete learning experience because, you know, China now is way different to how it was like 10 years ago when I got there. But I'm grateful for that experience because now I can really navigate myself well through that country, and I yeah. really understand it very well.
0: Wow, man, that's awesome! Yeah, I could totally picture that for sure. And diving in, so did you actually learn the language as well? So I, I learned a little bit.
1: I had a I had a Mandarin teacher, and I picked up a little bit just out of respect for the culture. Because while I'm living, yeah. I want to go to a coffee shop, and I want to be able to order a coffee, and I want to be able to you know uh, give a taxi driver directions and stuff like that. But it was challenging because I was living in Shanghai. You know, a lot of people in Shanghai like speak English and, you know, they're trying to practice their English on me and I was trying to practice my Mandarin on them. And then, but as soon <laughs> as you go, as soon as you go outside of Shanghai, that's like the real China. Like I call Shanghai like China light because really it, whatever things that you miss from back home, you can probably get in Shanghai. But um, uh, okay. as soon as you go out of Shanghai, then you're in a real China and you got to figure stuff out pretty quickly. But most of the businesses <laughs> work with,
0: like they speak English, they all have sales staff that speak English and uh, it, it, it was fine. That's a really great experience for sure man and and maybe even uh, describe that so what being able to to become a, a supplier for like the NBA and like you said the Olympics what what was that, that story like you know behind there and actually making that happen yeah it's,
1: it's super interesting because like all of them went through entirely different processes like oh yeah, <laughs> yeah for, for the Olympics it was a straight tender process it was like the because that was when the Olympics was hosted in London in 2012. And okay. in 2010, like the Scottish government came to us and said, Hey, there's this Olympic license contract coming up. I think you guys should go for it. And we were like thinking, no, there's no way to go for a company like us. We were just thinking about all these big corporate companies and, you know, we applied for it and it started off with like 200 companies. Then it went down to 10 to 50 to 20 and then we had to start supplying more documentation. And we had to go to London for meetings and we had to provide samples. And then it got down to five to two and then to one and then we were awarded the contract. And we were like, That's huge. Like, like, wow, totally not expected. Uh, But because we've been manufacturing products under certain categories, like for the Olympics, we had the categories of backpacks, uh, outdoor blankets, outdoor furniture chairs, stadium seats, all this sort of stuff. And, you know, that was stuff that we were producing anyway, so it it was easy. And then that went really well. And then that, you know, it just kind of spirals because once we supply the Olympics and we're the exclusive licensee, then we could get meetings with retailers because if retailers wanted that official Olympic product, they had to come through <laughs> us. So when nice. we had the meetings, we were like, oh, hey, we also have our own brand and these are the products that we do. to start taking those products. And then once you're in a few retailers, it's easy to get meetings with other ones. And then once we got the Olympic license, it was easy to get other ones. So like, you just yeah. have to get that big one first, but you also have to understand the model because a lot of people can lose money through licensing as well. But was cool is that the one of the nba I actually got that in 2018 and i just got that through a dm on instagram because uh, wow. yeah it's i said i went to university of miami in 2009 2008 2009 for a year and at that time i was uh, playing basketball i was just on the practice squad for the team and one of my friends uh, who ended up going to the nba was a guy called jack uh, jack McClinton. he got drafted by the spurs and then, you know, he made all those connections with, with the NBA. He got drafted the same year, Steph Curry, him and Steph were roommates. Uh, and then, you know, he, he got out of the NBA, he got injured, he played in Europe for a while, he went back and anyway, he just decided to come out. And then we were talking and we were like, you know, why don't we just sports licensing company? You've got all the connections with the NBA and all the players in the league. I've got the connections with all the factories and all the retailers. If we put those two together, we could build something pretty special. Awesome. So, he got the license, I did the products, we got some samples. Steph Curry started posting some of the products just out, <laughs> And then when that happened, then it started to go like viral and then it just sort of blew up. And then we started going to trade shows, started showing samples, retailers started buying in. And then because of the stuff that Steph was posting, there was a Brazilian soccer player, Neymar, who saw that. And then he got interested, we did a collection for Neymar and he just posted that on his Instagram
0: awesome. last yeah. week. And he's got 140 million followers. So that was, insane. Yeah. That was really insane. Wow. And that's recent? That just recently? <laughs>
1: yeah, that, I think that was like my second
0: last post on Instagram. I just did a little carousel. Of yeah, because I was going to bring up in doing the research, like I saw that you had a couple of posts with Stephen Curry, and I was like, well, what's the story behind that? Yeah. So what was it like meeting him and and getting to work on this together? You know what? That was awesome.
1: And w- when I was with Steph and Katie and all those guys, that was after the NBA Finals uh, in in Cleveland game four when they won the championship wow that's awesome we weren't even there for like for a meeting I just went to Cleveland I think it was my birthday that day yeah it was it was my birthday I just thought I'll go to Cleveland go to this game but because I'd worked with them before the day of the game after their practice I just sent a text because I knew they were sending at the Ritz Carlton. I was like hey what's up because I know the players managers as well I was like I'm in time for the game (laughs) hang out like should we catch up for a meeting so literally just uh, I went to the Ritz Carlton for a meeting with some of the players' managers, and then the players walked in after practice, and then they went into their room. and uh, They had like a private room just for lunch, and the chef came in. He's like, "Oh, join us for lunch." And like literally the night the night of the, the when the championship, I'm just sitting at a table with like Draymond Green, Javale McGee, KD, Ibudala, Steph sitting opposite, and I'm just like, I'm trying not to like pinch myself and like freak out. It's <laughs> like I'm, I'm trying to remain professional because at, at the end of the day, like you're meeting your idols. But you're there because you provide a service as so, well. Like, you, yeah. they respect what you do. And as soon as you guys start asking for pictures and stuff like that, you know, then you sort of like lose a little bit of leverage. So I didn't ask for any photos. And then after the championship <laughs> that night, we just we had like a private sort of party. And then I was like, all right, I'm asking for these because like, I,
0: <laughs> yeah, these are my idols. So cool. <laughs> that's awesome, man. And I'm glad you explained that story too, because yeah, I mean, there's that kind of like you know you know, that professional relationship, but then, you know, you're also like a, a fan or a super fan at the same time. And yeah, that's a cool thing, man, for sure. That's a great story. Yeah. So we'll keep a lookout for the stuff uh, related to Neymar as well. I think that's really cool. And what what's that going to be called? So what's, what's that product line? So, so, so that's under the brand called Active Dreamers. And uh, the company is Dream Bigger. And it's really just to inspire
1: the youth to to follow their dreams. So like, we'll do like a blanket set and like the body of the blanket will be the player and the pillow will be the player's face. So you can actually like kids can go to sleep like dreaming that they are their favorite player. So that was really, we're we're trying to like, you know sell motivation rather than selling products, having a story behind it. So, yeah, um, and we have these like layer play blankets. So on the other side is like a basketball court. So we just kind of wanted to integrate the sport and uh, Kids' favorite athletes with their sort of home bedding and decor uh, lifestyle. So we have the NBA license for a lot of home products under the Active Dreamers brand.
0: I'd say for the audience, definitely keep a lookout for that. What's is there an anticipated uh, release? Oh, so for that's that's already selling. So you can actually already-
1: the, yeah, you can go to ActiveDreamers.com uh, or activedreamers Dreamers on Instagram, and we have like our okay, and it, we we just do like product launches whenever because we've got such a good relationship with the players. Um, Sometimes we do like exclusive player drops and we've done a special collection for like Kyle Kuzma. Uh, We've actually just done like a Kobe Bryant uh, Memorial hoodie as well, Uh, which has got a number, his 824 and Gigi's number as well. And then that's promoted by some of the Lakers players and profits from that go towards the the Mamba Fund. So, you know, we do like special different types of collaborations. And actually what was really upsetting as well was that um, I was actually working with Kobe Bryant's uh, Studio Granity before he passed as well because you know, he had his kids mm. book in his kids podcasts and I was working on some products uh, for some of the characters in that as well in his studio wow. was here in California as well. So it's a shame, but I, I think that stuff's still going ahead, but obviously it's a way different experience. Than it, you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. And yeah, and I think it's a great thing that you're doing too. I mean, I always enjoy those opportunities and you know, even on the podcast highlighting some of the people that are, you know, doing e-commerce for good, right? And this type of movement brands or something that where you can make an impact and, and make a difference. And I think it's a really powerful thing. So, yeah, I'm really glad that, that you shared that. I think that's really cool. One thing that, that comes to mind, though, and I thought that this was interesting in doing the research on you. I was wondering if you could share the story, you know, why Tony Robbins was calling you an asshole in front of 12,000 <laughs> people.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it was interesting
0: because um, so Tony is like a big idol of mine, and i sort of
1: I, I would I, I would definitely say I'm not where I am today if it wasn't for Tony, and I sort of listened to a lot of his tapes and stuff like that growing up uh, as a kid, and it it was interesting because at that Warriors game game four when they won the championship, Tony was there sitting courtside, and I was in like I don't know the sixth or the seventh row. I was sitting a few rows behind Tony and I could see him, but I'd never met him before. And um, I basically, I was like, I, need, I, I was having a few drinks at the game as well. I was, I was, I was free. And <laughs> I was like, I've got to take this opportunity to say hi. Yeah. And say thank you to Tony. So I basically jumped up to him. I was like, oh, thanks Tony, you, you changed my life. And he was really cool. He was, you, know, you, you never know how it's going to turn out, but Tony was like super cool and he gave me time and we were chatting and he was laughing. We got photos together and that was really nice. And then a few months later, I attended his uh, Unleashed Power Within in London, and I was sitting in, like, I don't know, the third row or something, and he just picked me out of the crowd. And I was like, does he remember me from this Warriors game or, like, that my just randomly getting selected? But as it happens, like, he was giving a, an example of, like, men and women and their perceptions uh, that they put on different meanings because, like, the same outcome can happen but men and women put different meanings on that outcome and based on the meaning that you put on it is the actions and the thoughts that you then have afterwards and, mm-hmm. and he, he just referenced me and he says if i thought kian was an asshole," and i was like whoa what do you say um and, <laughs> but like he wasn't um, that was the only clip that i got uh, on, on video but he was sort of referencing it wasn't actually calling me an asshole,
0: but he was like referencing if i thought he was an asshole. But yeah. I, thought, I thought that was really cool. It was really great to share that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I thought that was great for sure. Yeah, like the, the clip. So I'd say, you know, go check out Kian's Instagram. He's got the the full clip on his Instagram and and actually maybe for the audience, what's your Instagram tag name? So that, Oh that- yeah, thanks. So it's just Kian K
1: I A N underscore JG. Uh, or- okay. <laughs> and so in underscore JG and yeah, it's cool. Uh, I, I tried to basically provide as much value as possible. And my last post actually, which has been my most popular one by far was one I did on Kobe Bryant, because what was crazy is that like after Kobe passed, like I used to consume a lot of his content anyway on like YouTube and all his interviews and podcasts that he did. And I realized that like in a lot of Kobe's like interviews and throughout his basketball career, there's so many like habits and rituals in his mindset that made him so successful on the court that we can apply to our businesses today so i started yeah. like down just as like i don't know therapeutically just to try and get some thoughts on paper like all the things that he lived by and i sort of wrote it down and i was like well we do a lot of these similar things in our businesses and i just sort of summarized it and i just wrote this blog post uh called A kobe bryant principles that apply to our business today and then i just posted it like yesterday and it went crazy like i had like I think 30 different accounts um, repost it. And then, you know, I can see the insights and over like 200 people have saved it. Uh, Over 150 people have forwarded it. And then like this Lakers account, just a couple of hours ago, which has got like 200,000 followers, shared it. I mean, I've had some loads of crazy different accounts and like uh, sharing it and loads of messages coming through. saying thanks very much for the inspiration. And it was, it's one of like the minor, minor, minor positives that you can actually take out of the situation to like really analyze someone's life who was so successful. Like yeah get latest to our likes and that I've kind of just summarized that in a carousel of blog post So
0: yeah I think if you guys
1: check that out you will get a lot of value from it
0: yeah yeah for sure yeah I'd say and what what platform was that on the blog post yeah. Oh so so the blog I've actually written it but I've not posted it yet so I've got a website which is just at ww.kigozari.com.
1: And that's K-I-A-N-G-O-L-Z-A-R-I. But on that website, it's just basically a landing page at the moment. I'm actually developing it at the moment, which every podcast episode I've done, every blog post I've done, uh, every sort of YouTube, uh, I'm starting a YouTube channel. You'll have the links, yeah. (laughs) Okay. Because I've got a Facebook group as well, where I give like free sourcing advice and information. And that's just called Sourcing with Kian. And if anyone is buying from China and has got any questions like, oh, hey, how do I get a better price for this product, or I'm getting hit with this fine, how do I get around it? Or, you know, what's the best way to ship this product? I just answer all these questions in the group. Because after speaking at so many events and podcasts, I was getting so many DMs, basically, and I couldn't handle all of them, I couldn't reply to everyone. So I thought, if I start this group, if I reply to one person, everyone can benefit from it. And I yeah just like, I don't know, four or five months ago, we've hit like 1200 members already. So. Uh, that's awesome i really enjoy just answering people's questions as well so if you do need sourcing help and free sourcing help uh with that just go to that group sourcing with kian on facebook and then the blogs will probably be in there as well yeah
0: yeah awesome yeah for sure and and i'll be sure to collect the links and and we'll leave everything in in the show notes as well and you you know keep it up to date as uh, as as new links arrive as well but yeah i did i did catch that facebook group that you did related to product sourcing i think it's a really great thing and like i said for the audience listening you know ken is probably one of the you know leading experts in this space and is one that can really give you the the deep you know down deep information because he's been operating there for so many years you know, living there and then also doing things at such a high level. So I think it's really great that he's been given back to help people, uh, in this nature. And, uh, and I did have a, quite a few topics to dive into, but you know, sure. let's just say even, you know, in the realm, there's a, there's a lot of people uh, that listen to the, to the podcast that are, you know, starting out as uh drop shippers and drop shipping. Mm-hmm. And, and then I think, you know, part of the thing is, you know, as they begin to grow their business, You know, they're looking to get, you know, better sourcing, better pricing, and then eventually, you know, up leveling their business to where they're, you know, private labeling or, you know, taking on inventory. So I was wondering, you know, what advice do you have for for people to eventually grow in in those phases?
1: Sure. I mean, and and that's a great point as well, because I feel that people
0: start in
1: dropshipping to really just understand this area and how products are sold and how they're made. But like, I feel that if you really want something, because I kind of see it like branding versus selling. Are you branding something and are you really providing value to a customer niche? And are you really growing something for the long term or yeah. are you just looking products because you want to make short term money? So I think first of all, you have to ask yourself the question, like, am I in this for the long term or do I just want to make some quick cash? And if you're in it for the long term, then I believe in like branding uh, and in branding, you know, your product can come in many different Ways, because you can still drop dropship ship and develop a brand as well, you don't have to just resell other products, but like. If you look at iconic, for example, who have the canvas art they're building a brand around their art by having like world leading designs and art and basically aligning themselves with the correct licenses as well, you know they have. Uh, MBA license license, Muhammad Ali license and uh, so they're really building a brand and adding value uh, to their customer niche uh, even through drop shipping, but. I feel that you really have to to perfectly understand this world and this market. You really just have to get on a plane and go to China, but it doesn't make sense to do that when <laughs> you actually have like a profitable business and a profitable product. And I, I kind of see like this sort of the next advancement of dropshipping is then to go selling online and building your own store on Shopify and also Amazon as well. And there's so many pros and cons of like Shopify versus Amazon. I think the key takeaways are that Shopify allows you to control the data of your audience whereas amazon basically owns your customers information whereas amazon is like warm traffic people are going to amazon to buy something and if you manage to get yourself ranked high on amazon then you're going to get a lot of organic sales uh, from an audience that you didn't build but if you go down the shopify route then you're more having to send traffic to your website to make some sales so you have to be good at you know facebook ads and all those other things uh, as well but in both of them you know you can really build a brand and i feel that Branding is so important because it allows you to build a community. And when you build a community, then you have repeat customers and brand evangelists as well. And, you know, it allows you to talk to your customers without paying for it. Because when you're dropshipping and stuff like that, you have to really, like, run ads to get people to your, to your listing. Whereas um, when you build a community, you already have this, like, audience of people who all like each other, who all speak to each other, who really like your brand. And as long as you keep over delivering for them, they're going to keep buying from you. And then a lot of people ask me, well, how do I start a brand? And I think branding for sure starts with your core values. Like who are you as a person, what are the core values of your company? And once you know your core values, then you know what your brand stands for. And like, for me, like I'm launching a new travel brand called Belgium a few months. And the core values of my company, it's just five very simple bullet points. It's loyalty, Harmony, high performance, extreme ownership, and constant improvement. And that's not only for the company, but that's and for the brand, but for the people that I hire as well. Because like if I'm gonna hire someone and I say right, okay, these are the core values of the company, and if they don't align with constant improvement, high performance and extreme ownership, they're not a right fit for the company. And I feel that when someone sees core values, they have to either say, hell yes, I'm home, or they'd be like, hell no, this is not for me. You don't want anyone in the middle, but you want the people to be like, right, this is this is a company that I align with. And then you get the best performance out of them and they're where they feel happiest as well. But if you don't even have core values, then you know you don't even have anything to start with. So I think that's
0: the, that's the first point really to, to build your core values and then
1: to build a brand around
0: that. That's a really great point there. And, and you touched on a lot of great topics for sure. And I'd say, you know, for the audience, this is the part where you want to re-listen to it over again, because I'd say, you know, the, the subtlety there, but I want to like extract that where, you know, starting with the the core values and then building upon that. And then, yeah, I mean, it, it makes it much easier to make those kind of decisions as far as which way you should go, which mm-hmm. products to invest in and, and so on, because does it meet, is it in alignment with your core values mm-hmm. and, and then of course, you know, your your customers and, and your, your core audience is going to pick up on that, right? Yeah. And all of a sudden they're gonna be following.
1: And and why this is so
0: important is that like once you start to build a community, then you understand like
1: the the demographic and the language that your customer speaks, and then you can start to build your customer avatar. So you can say, okay, like our average customer is like 25 year old female who likes to have like, I don't know, fitness shakes and all that sort of stuff. Then you can start to really paint a picture, give them a name and then all your marketing <laughs> and your brand aligns under sort of over delivering for that customer niche, but you know who that customer niche is by basically building your community. And when I say like speak the language of your consumer, it's like, okay, if you know that, your customer likes to buy, the female likes to buy protein shakes who's 25 years old. You can also guess that they probably like to go out drinking with their friends on a weekend. What's the most popular drink they, they have? Like maybe Long Island iced tea or like sex on the beach or, or whatever the cocktails are called these days. And then you can name your protein flavors after the cocktails that they drink. And then <laughs> you can be like, all right, this is a Long Island iced tea, like protein flavor. And then, you know, that will deter a lot of people. But for your core audience, they're like, these guys understand me. And it's yeah. those sort of things that builds brand loyalty. So no matter what product you launch, whether it be a protein shaker or a workout top or whatever, they're going to buy it because your brand is on it because they align with your brand and the
0: message that you're portraying and that you understand them. And that's that's really the start of it. Another great tip. Yeah, for sure, man. Speaking the language of your customer, and I think it's so important. And even the topic of the the customer avatar, I mean, that, that's really great stuff and, and really dives into you know, the principles of, of branding and, and then the power behind it. So like, you know, knowing that all of a sudden, knowing your customer better, you know how to, to make a better offer. You know, you're not just throwing products out there and, and trying to be the, you, you know, the, the, the cheapest price because, you know, really you're just trying to provide the best value, you know, mm-hmm. to your customer. You know, even to go back to like you, you touched on the the topic of like Amazon versus uh, Shopify, which I thought was really really cool. What would be the ways, you know, the the different type of consumers as they're buying through both platforms?
1: Yeah, I mean, so Amazon is is its own complete different world, and it's really sort of grown arms and legs because. I think the people who got into Amazon like 2014 2015 were so successful because they were at a time where they could really acquire reviews very easily and there wasn't much competition but the biggest challenge of Amazon now is that like Chinese manufacturers have seen the success of Amazon because we're buying from them and they're seeing the order volumes go up like <laughs> and yeah. now they're thinking well, why don't we enter this market and you know, now that have, yeah, are creating brands, I actually just did an article uh, with the New York Times about this, which was uh, about random Chinese brand names are now like dominating on Amazon. So, like, you used to go through Amazon and just see brands that you recognize, now you just see brands that you have no clue what they mean, and they're just like Chinese brands, like registering trademarks so that they're allowed to sell there. But what's crazy is that, like, now that there's so many, I read a stat that 49% of sellers on Amazon are Chinese, and you know they're they're doing that because there's a massive opportunity. And you know going back to what you are saying on price, well now we can't beat the Chinese on price on the same platform because they are the manufacturer we're buying from them. But how can we beat them? We can beat them on brand because the Chinese don't necessarily know how to brand products. So that's why it's so important to go the extra mile uh, to brand your products because then you can actually sell more than the, than the Chinese manufacturers at a higher price because you've provided that experience because they don't know how to deliver that yet. But yeah. yeah. With amazon there's a lot of other uh, things that are involved like there's a a famous phrase that they say like if you want to hide the body you do on page two of amazon so like no one ever clicks on page two so if you're not ranked on page one like you're nothing that you forget getting any sales so the key tactics is really to get to page one and there's various ways you can do that it's very expensive it's very tricky uh, you have to have decent cash flow behind you there are strategies to do it but that's kind of the, the thing that, you know, the audience needs to know before getting involved in it, because you'll see these adverts come up on your Instagram feed and stuff. People saying, hey, take my course for $500 and I'll teach you how to be successful on Amazon. And they'll screenshot something that has like 200K a month worth of sales, but you have no idea how much money they've spent to get those sales. And you have no idea how much money they're actually making as a result of the costs of selling on the platform. So Amazon's kind of like a pay to play platform now as well. Like you have to invest a lot in, them. Um, ppc like pay-per-click you have to invest a lot in giveaways and reviews and you actually lose money on your first few orders just to get ranked um and then you know then it can be very profitable but there's a lot of cost involved uh, to getting to the top but i see branding as a shortcut to get to the top because if you create a brand that people actually want then people will actually seek out your brand name and search for your keywords and that's how you can get ranked and then there's, there's other strategies as well like you know aligning with the correct like influencers And giving them what's called like a two-step URL, which is like you go into Amazon and then you search for, like, I don't know, let's say you're selling leather gloves, type leather gloves, scroll down, click your one, and then you copy and paste that URL and then send it to an influencer to post. So whenever anyone clicks on that, it's telling Amazon that people typed in leather gloves, found your (laughs) one, clicked on it, and you're sending Amazon that information rather than just sending the link, and then Amazon are gonna rank you higher. And you can get a lot of traffic once you use an influencer. So, there's lots of different things that, like, you know, they don't necessarily teach you in courses that you can learn to be successful uh, on Amazon. But you just have to understand that to be successful on Amazon nowadays, you either have to have a big brand, or sorry, you have to have a brand in general, or you have to have a lot of cash flow behind you, or you have to know people uh, who really know. How have to rank on Amazon because it, it changes every few months. And the only reason I know this sort of stuff is because I speak at so many e-commerce events. So I, <laughs> I, I listen to the other speakers and I take notes and i just sort of uh, stay at the front of like what's, what's going on
0: because it's so interesting. Yeah. yeah that, those are great golden nuggets for sure. Yeah. And, and especially if you're trying to, to sell on, on Amazon and really great points because, you know, like you touched on, you know, I like to say, you know, when, when you're out there and just like you said, you know, Chinese sellers that could, that can really drop the price, but you don't want to be playing that game at all. When you're out there competing on price, it's just a race to the bottom. And there's far too many people that, you know, you know, keep dropping the price where, where it's just no longer profitable, whether if it's, you know, Amazon or, or eBay and that type of audience. So I like to word it like this, which is where on, on Amazon and, and eBay, you have what's called the calculated buyer. You know, they're, they're, they're searching for the type of product that they're looking to buy as opposed to like, you know, Shopify, it's a different audience. So like when, when I'm explaining things, especially to like drop shippers, like, okay, if you're Shopify drop shipping, you're not competing against Amazon. You're not competing against eBay and, and you don't need to worry about if they have a lower price because you're targeting the impulse buyer, mm-hmm. not the calculated buyer that's, you know actively searching for those things. You know, the impulse buyer is the one that's browsing their Facebook feed or their Instagram feed or story. And they just happen to see this, you know, really attractive product that caught their attention in the moment. And then of course, you know, saw that special offer that, okay, you know, wow, it got my attention and there's a special offer. You know, I'm gonna click into there and, and buy right
1: now. Yeah, and, and, and that's a great point as well. And you know, it is a lot of warm traffic that comes into Amazon that people are going on Amazon searching for something that they already know they want to buy. But something that like a lot of people are successful on Amazon who don't necessarily have a brand because they're leveraging Amazon's brand. Because Amazon's mm-hmm. got a great brand in terms of, okay, if I don't like it, I can return it free of charge. If I want it tomorrow, I can get it delivered on Prime. And I have <laughs> the option to check out all these different reviews and compare it against other products. So, like a lot of people sell their products on Amazon because they they trust the the user trusts the platform that they're buying from. Not necessarily uh-huh. your brand; they just know they're protected so that they can return it to Amazon. So that's
0: a key point as well that you
1: have that safety net.
0: Uh, Very true. Yeah, I mean this is this is all really great stuff, and I think the audience is getting a lot of. A lot of value out of this and the, the thing is I, I also like this too where you know where you said you know going back to like you know not competing on price because it's really about related to the branding and I like the word it also is like you know along with the branding you know having that focus on on making a better offer mm-hmm. and so the better offer doesn't necessarily mean being the lowest price a better offer means that you're given uh, a higher perceived value and it could, it could come in, in many different factors. So it's just like, okay, you, you know, you have this physical product, but maybe there's, you know, something supplemental to go along with it. You know, either information, instructions, videos, or something that's now enhancing, you know, the capability of that product that now gave more perceived value than just the individual product that someone would buy. And you didn't have to lower the price to, to actually sure. And I think the best way to do that is to be a product practitioner of whatever it is that you're selling. You have to be passionate about
1: that product and you have to use that product yourself. So when I got started in this game, you know, I was doing the family business, like camping and outdoor brands. And when I was developing a backpack, I was going hiking in it, testing it. If I was developing a sleeping bag or a tent, I was sleeping in it to make sure, okay, at night, do I stay warm enough? If it's a coffee mug, does, the coffee mug get too hot. You know I mean? It's these basic things that I see a lot of e-commerce sellers just sort of buy from one website and sell to another website where they don't necessarily actually use and test the product themselves. And it's like, we are our own toughest critic of the product. And if it meets our standards and we're happy with it, then it's good for the rest of the market. And the other thing is that like you, um, if you're passionate about that particular uh, niche that you're developing a product in, then you're absolutely able to, deliver the best product possible so like if i'm an outdoor guy and i'm camping in the bag, well i know that okay the water bottle pouch needs to be here and like my arm's going to get stuck if it's too far back there or like the, it needs to have a waterproof ring cover for this market and it's like you just don't know those things like if you ask me to develop a baby product i'd probably be terrible because i don't have any kids you know and it's <laughs> like, you really just have to focus on what you're passionate about like the the travel bag, which I'm launching on Kickstarter, I've got over 25 travel features, some of which have never before been seen on a travel bag because what I did was like, okay, when I travel, I like to watch movies. So I'm like, how can I somehow incorporate watching movies with this bag? I developed um, a zipper puller, which you can extract, which turns into a mobile phone kickstand. So you can literally unclip the front zipper puller, turns into a kickstand and then watch movies on the plane. And that feature, that little, the Zipper puller costs twenty five cents to manufacture, but it provides enormous value. And also, like on the shoulder strap, I developed this little GoPro attachment slot. So if you're an and then GoPro enthusiast, you can clip your GoPro straight onto the shoulder strap. Again, that's just a clip which costs like fifty cents or something like that, but it's provided massive value because I know what I want on a bag and I know how to get it because I understand China as well. So that's kind of like. Being better doesn't necessarily mean being ex- more expensive. You can still be way better and be way cheaper if you are a product practitioner of the products you're developing.
0: Very well said, and I really like that that word you use, being a product practitioner, and it works very well, especially you know going further in, into into branding and and really you know owning the product and and being a I like that being a yeah. practitioner of it and really let, lets you kind of speak to that product uh which is really awesome yeah and i think the other thing is as well is you have to kind of
1: ask yourself am i solving a problem here because quite a lot of people they want to sell something on amazon and they're like okay let me just make it a different color or i'll make it a little bit lighter or a little bit cheaper and yeah that might last for a little while but only until someone else you know uh, copies you as well so i always find it the best products that i've ever sold are the ones that solve a problem and one of my favorites was this um travel pillow so you get a traditional like u-shaped travel pillow it doesn't really work anymore you still get a sore neck and you can't lean forward and so i worked with these couple of other guys and we developed something which was basically a fleece scarf that wraps around your neck and then it has like foam padding on it inside with a sort of plastic mold which is like x-shaped that supports your neck so no matter you can slide it to your right or your left or your front you always stay supported and we just basically solved the problem u-shaped travel pillows don't work we fixed it and since we brought it out we've sold over a million units online Wow! and and you know i mean all we we did was solve a problem but if we took the u-shaped travel pillow and said all right let's put a little bit more foam in it you know it you still you still have the same problem and you know you're just in a very crowded marketplace so yeah ask yourself what problem am i solving
0: no that that's really key and i think even one other thing that i picked up on which was also in solving that problem which may already be, you know, there may be already be some existing products in the market. And like you said, instead of just adding more foam to that pillow, you actually came up with something to differentiate yeah. yourself. To, so to solve it better, but to be different. So now it's a, it's a new product. It's a new opportunity for the customer to buy, you know, mm-hmm. not just not just an improvement product that's, you know, off of something existing, because it's not a compelling reason why they should, you know, buy from you as opposed to somebody else, right? I was wondering if you could speak speak more about that.
1: Yeah, so differentiating is key as well. Like, you know, you can still be successful by making products fit the purpose, but also consider that you can take a product that works for a certain category and take it to a completely different category, and then it, it can work in that category now as well. I'm trying to think of a good example, but let's say um, let's say this travel bag which I've developed, right, which has got all these like crazy features in it, and I'm sort of using it and testing it myself. And then someone who I know who's got like a baby brand said to me, "Oh, this would be perfect for mothers who travel with like kids because this has got compartments for all your stuff." And I was mm-hmm. like, "Oh, so like now I just make a couple of tweaks and it can be branded." I've solved a problem for a completely different uh, customer segment that I didn't even know that that would solve their problem as well. So also you just have to consider what demographics you can help as well
0: yeah true yeah i'd say you know your your own product that you came up with and uh like you said there's 25 you know features that you know because you're a frequent traveler and also a product design manufacturer and put this together and now being able to highlight the fact that okay this would backpacks itself has been sold for, you know, years. So it's already like an existing market. Why would they want to buy yours compared to somebody else's? Because now you added these all features that's different than anything else on the market. Mm -hmm. And and I I, I would say it's important to mention as well, though, that like if you are going into a different demographic,
1: then you probably want to create a different brand. Around that as well, because you don't want to be the travel brand, which also does baby products, which then also does (laughs) as well. Everyone's like, who the hell are these guys? Um, But you you, you can spot these different opportunities as well. And um, you know, something as well that I noticed within this industry that a lot of people don't do is whenever I develop products, I like to, I'm a very like visual thinker. So I like to create like a mood board. And I basically make all these like printouts and cover the wall, like basically wall to wall. Of printouts of like right the market leaders like colors which are working next year. What are the new materials? Uh, how are how are the best brands in the in the world utilizing packaging? And I basically just print everything and stick it on the wall, and then you start to connect the dots because you can start to see okay, well, if I make wow. if I make the packaging this like uh, reusable material which isn't going to get tossed away, which then becomes part of the product, and if I do it in this color which is color that I don't know off-white are using for next year, you know, you can start to just <laughs> some dots, which you didn't really think existed. So I call that a mood board and you basically like, if you ever want to, if you're ever thinking to develop a product, just every single idea you've got in your mind, just save an image of it, put it all on a document, print them all out, put them on the wall. And it would, you, things will just come to you naturally. And it's, it's incredible what can happen.
0: It's almost like meditation. Wow, that's awesome, man. Yeah, I could see that and I could feel it coming through. I mean, it kind of reminds me of like a fashion designer would put pieces and, you know, materials together in a similar fashion. You're doing that with product design uh, with your vision of what's coming through, right? Yeah, that's great, man, for sure. Man, I feel like we could be talking for hours on this. I'm looking at the clock. Yeah. I'm like, man, we're running. But you know, one thing that um actually uh, came across, and I think this is a hot topic, and I think you did uh, a recent uh, like interview and, and a LinkedIn post on this is where I found it, yeah. uh, which was uh, the interview about the coronavirus. Sure. And I think that's a hot topic. And, you know, now that we just are getting over the, the Chinese new year, there's some updates. And I was actually wondering like, if cause even in that interview watching that, you how kind of cleared the air, you know, telling what's really happened because some people don't know what to believe. You, we got people that are just creating YouTube videos but they don't really know. They're maybe hearing it, you know, third, fourth hand type yeah. of knowledge. And it just, you know, turns into something that's not really real. Yeah. And uh, so I was wondering if you can kind of speak to that as far as the latest updates there and, sure. and how it's yeah. impacting business. Yeah. I mean, that's a great point, First of all, because I think a lot of people just share these articles on Facebook with
1: like these grabbing headlines and it's like scaremonger headlines because obviously fear sells and they're going to get more eyeballs and more clicks if they just some headline that basically makes you scared or worried. So I would say like, the information that you do that you do consume, make sure you get it from trusted sources. Um, and so for me, like, because I've got so many different manufacturers that I work with in China, I do text them all regularly uh, on the Chinese messenger app, which is called WeChat, which I highly recommend if anyone's dealing with anyone in China that uses the WeChat app. But it's interesting. So what I've noticed is that some areas are very badly affected, like Wuhan, which is the area where the virus first started to spread. And in other areas, even not so far away, are OK. And they're all back to work, and they're just working as normal. And in other areas further south, like uh, Shenzhen and Guangzhou, like they're also on lockdown. So what I realized is that it's not a one-size-fits-all policy for China to say, OK, manufacturing is down. It's, it's happening in different pockets of China, because China is so big as a country. So first of all, if you are buying from China right now, or you're considering buying from China, just look at the area Uh, that you're buying from, and then you can research how that area is affected. And I have a link that I'll I'll send to you so you can share in the show notes, which is basically a map of China. And it just basically tells you, by the location, what areas are most affected. And you can see some are back to normal, and they're okay, and some are not. But I think the thing we have to really consider now is, are we okay? (laughs) Because I actually heard that like yesterday was the first day where there was more cases of the coronavirus outside China than there was inside China. And you know, China's one of the best countries in the world, in my opinion, in containing and controlling a virus like this because people actually listen to their government. If the government tell you don't come out of your apartment, then people aren't really coming out of their apartment. But I don't think America's got that quite standard level of control. So, <laughs> so you know, like I heard yeah. a lot of cases in South Korea, in Iran, in Italy, and you know, now they're starting to, I was supposed to be speaking at an event in Prague in ten days' time, but I had to cancel it yesterday. Uh, just because I have to travel through airports in Europe where there are cases of the virus, and I'm like, there's no point, like even going through that. So, um, I as I was also speaking at an event in China and in Hong Kong in April, I was doing a China sourcing trip there as well, which I've had to cancel. So, um, you know, I think anything that's going on in China, just keep in touch with your manufacturers if so they're able to deliver for you. And then also, here here's the most important thing, which I think a lot of people forget. Like a lot of people have asked me, like oh, hey, like, how are, how's my shipping getting affected? How are my lead times getting affected? I was like, you know what? Forget all that. Just check if your manufacturer's okay first because we're buying from people here. Like, people buy from people and their families are affected. They know people who have, who have caught the virus who, you know, they're worried about their grandparents because it hits the elderly worse than it hurts themselves. And so, like, first of yeah. all, ask if their family's okay and then check, check in about business. But just bear in mind that because of this virus, there's been a lot of like production halts, so factories, when they do get back to work, are going to be very, very busy, and they're going to have a pile up of orders. So your lead times might be affected, but if you do check in with them and make sure that they're okay, you can also ask them, hey, can you put us to the front of the production schedule, or can you make sure that we don't get too badly affected by this? And of course, that determines, that's determined on the, the relationship that you have with your manufacturer. And, you know, something we didn't really get to talk much about today is I kind of stress the importance of building relationships with your manufacturer, because a lot of people just go down the Alibaba group and you're just sending an email to someone who you haven't put face to, and there's no relationship built there. Whereas the key success in dealing with China is the relationships that you build and you work in partnership and you build like a win-win cooperation. You, you shouldn't treat it as like, okay, I'm the buyer and you're the supplier. It's like no we're working in a partnership together here we want to work for the long term what works for me what is what works for you if you give me a lower price i pass that cost it on to my customer i sell more units more units for me equals more orders for you and that's just the way I've, I've always done business just to sort of help them and they help me and so that's the thing like you know you want to really build this relationship with the manufacturers and the coronavirus is a good way to strengthen that relationship to check in on them and, and make sure they're okay and then they can then. Few you favors as well by getting you to the front of the production schedule so yeah and then sh- shipping can also be affected as well because a lot of the maybe workers at the port might not be back to work if they're in an area which is highly affected so you know your factory might be three hours away from the port and your goods are all good and they're ready to go but they're never going to be sitting at the port for a few weeks as well so before you agree to ship anything if you send something by air then it's okay but if you before you want to ship anything just check with your forwarder as well that they're actually able to to ship out as well. And anyone who's worried about products coming out of China from workers that may have the virus, I've been told, and I'm no health expert and I'm no doctor, but I've been told that the virus can't spread through products or packaging. So don't worry if anyone's touched it, that now these goods are contaminated. Like the the virus cannot survive in a box, in a container, on a ship. Like it has to be like human to
0: human contact is what I've been told. So don't worry about any products coming out of China. Yeah, that's good to know too. And say, you know, for the audience and the, and the newbies, forwarders, uh, maybe explain that, what, what that means. Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. So I just mean like in terms <laughs> of logistics,
1: like you're, you're, you're shipping forwarders. So like every, um, there's maybe like 20 different ports in China that will, will ship out your goods. So one, once your goods are ready to ship, then you have to contact your forwarder. Uh, and that could be anyone. It could There's loads of different forwarders, uh, such as... Um, Mersk and um, Kunanago uh, are one of the big ones, um, expeditors. and so you want to basically have an agreement with your forwarder that they're still able to ship out your goods uh, as well. And they basically do rates every single month of what's the price of sending a container. So just make sure that your rates are of a fair rate right now because of the virus. You don't want you don't want to do your costings basically on because you're going to do all your product costing calculations of like. Uh, the cost of the product, the cost of logistics, and then the cost of your import duty and the cost of dispatch to your customer, and then the cost of Facebook ads, whatever, you figure out what's your landed cost in mm-hmm. that product to the customer, but then you're ready to ship, and then you know the forwarder tells you, actually the shipping rates are double this month because of the lack of supply or something like that, then it's completely skewed your numbers. So make sure you have a, and that's another important point for anyone looking to import products or sell any products, you have to have a very detailed and accurate costings file uh, to basically, it's so important to fully understand how much you're actually buying something for and then the profit that you make once you sell it. Because it's easy to say, okay, I'm buying this product from China for $5 and I'm selling it for 20 great, I've got this like big profit, I don't need to worry about anything else. Well, actually, there's a lot of other hidden costs uh, that you need to be mindful of. Import duty is one of them. You know, Trump put these big tariffs on Chinese goods uh, in the last year and like for backpacks, for example, it was 17%, which is already very high. Then you put it up to 25, then you put it up to 44%. So like if you're doing your costings and thinking I'm buying this for five and I'm selling it for 20, well, add another 44% onto that $5. So, you know, there's, <laughs> there, there's yeah. a lot, that's why you really need to educate yourself, uh, in this process rather than, and, you know, going back to drop shipping, drop shipping is a different model and you don't pay import duty on anything that you sent by air, which is less than $800 of value. So. That's probably why drop shippers might not have you know seen this concept or heard of this concept but yeah. uh, and then if you are importing something which is you know sixteen hundred dollars then just bring it into airspace of 800 so you don't have to pay the import duty rather than if you brought in the 1600 you'd have to pay the import duty so
0: wow really good yeah. yeah another part folks where you need cool. to re-listen to this yeah. over again because uh yeah kian's dropping a lot of value and actually another Good point that I do want to touch on, uh, which I, I'm really glad that you mentioned it about checking with, you know, the people, see how they're doing, how their families doing, building a relationship because you got a business and you, you're, if you're doing business with somebody else, you have a business relationship and the relationship is key. They know that that you know you care on, on your side, then you know that's how you can make you know better deals and and make better offers uh, by having better relationships and. I'm really glad that that you mentioned that and focused on that first, along with all of these other technicals. And I mean, I think the other takeaway is that you got to be on top of things because things are so many things are changing so frequently that you got to stay on top of this. And and that kind of leads me to my next question. Like, what do you what are you doing to like, you know, keep yourself on the edge and stay current with everything? Yeah, I'm just keeping in touch with my manufacturers, and I, and I use that app, uh,
1: WeChat. And WeChat is basically like a Chinese WhatsApp, where like, it's just basically got all your friends there, but you can also post pictures. And I'm really just keeping in touch with them, sending voice messages and you know, giving them phone calls and saying, you know, how's everything going? And, you know, family okay? And like, are you back to work? And, you know, of this sort of 500 workers that you have in your factory, how many of them came back after the Chinese New Year? Like, when do you think you'd be back up to full operation? Is there anything I can help with? You know, what retailers are you, are you working with? You, you know, stuff like that. Just sort of staying in the know and and keeping your ear to the ground and figure out what's going on. Usually around this time of year, I like to go back to China, but I've just kind of halted that at the moment uh, until everything resolves itself. But yeah, I, and and here's the thing: like, you know, you, you can learn a lot of information from like watching YouTube videos and courses and stuff like that. That's great, but you can also learn a lot by just having conversations with your manufacturers because they like to make friends as well and they like to educate you. Like I wouldn't go as far to say, hey, I'm new to this because then they can take advantage of you. in terms of, <laughs> yeah. But just ask a lot of questions, be curious. And um, that's one of the, the points that I mentioned as well on my Kobe blog is always being curious. Just ask a ton of questions and uh, they'll always provide you with the answers. And before you know it, you'll be very uh, experienced and knowledgeable about what goes on in China.
0: And, you know, it uh, reminds me of, you know, now. So what does a, a day look like now as you're kind of uh, operating and, you know, running your business, living your life?
1: It's interesting, yeah. So I
0: just, uh, I just moved
1: to LA um, a couple of months ago. I was living in the UK in, in Scotland, back home, but I felt so far away from everything because I kept getting invited to speak at these like e-commerce events, and a lot of them were in the states. I was just uh-huh. flying month back and forth, back and forth, and all these meetings I was having with the NBA and some of the players. I just kept flying in for it, and it was like, right, enough's enough. Like I, I love LA, so I like this <laughs> video. settle down. and then now, like you know, in the UK, it, it, I had. A team and staff in an office with like 45 employees. And now I'm just sort of here by myself. And I'm now sort of focusing more on like passion projects because that business is now running itself. My brother is the, the managing director of that company and, and that's basically running itself. So now I can take myself out of that environment and I've just got a WeWork office. That's where I am right now. Awesome. And I'm basically just putting my head down and, and my, my, my main focus is the travel brand, which I'm launching in April, which is Veltra. Which I'm launching on Kickstarter, which I'm super, super excited about because I know that I'm able to deliver you know, the best product in the world at the best price in the world, but I just need to build the audience so they can see that. And that there's um innovations in this product, which have never before been seen on a travel bag, that's why Kickstarter is the best platform to launch on. And kind of what we were talking about before earlier in the episode about building a brand and building your community. Kickstarter is one of the best places to build that because essentially when someone purchases your product. They're purchasing it knowing, okay, this company is in existence because I've paid my dollars to basically support and fund this project. And it's not like Amazon where your product will be delivered to you the next day. It will get delivered to you three months later because now we have to go and manufacture it. And I'm basically building this to build a community. And then from Kickstarter, I'm going to go to Indiegogo to then launch on Shopify and then to launch on Amazon. So I'm just really trying to navigate my way through through that at the moment. And I'm just focusing on that. And, and the cool thing is from speaking at all these different e-commerce events, like I've realized like, okay, who's the best at, you know, Facebook ads, who's the best at manage ad flows, who's the best at scaling their team with VAs. And I've just picked the brains of all the people who are the best at what they do. And they can contact me or any of the audience can contact me as well about any questions they have about sourcing and, you know, let's all just help each other and rise to the top. And then, you know, that, that's what it's all about. And I feel like I'm in the best place and the best position to, to really achieve all that.
0: Yeah, really awesome, and and you shared a lot of great stuff there for sure. And I took a look at at your page that was was promoting the the pre hour I mean, you were already sh- sharing a good part of the story, and, and I think Kickstarter and other other things, you know, give gives you a chance to kind of share the story behind the product. Yeah, and that's how that's how people get a chance to relate and get a little bit closer, and they become you know, really core customers, which is which is awesome.
1: Yeah. And it's interesting, like one of the things
0: I said about dealing with the Chinese is that like people buy from people
1: and it's still the same in terms of the consumers who decide to buy from us because it's so easy now of Instagram to look at a brand and see, okay, who's behind the brand and is that someone that I get along with or someone that I would like. So I sort of use that to really build Veltra and on the Veltra Facebook page. So I've made a lot of videos, I'm not sure how many of them are posted yet, but So last time I was in Shanghai in November, I took the cameras with me and I basically filmed like a day in the life of like, okay, here's where I used to live, here's what I did, like this is the streets where I live and this is my friends and this is how I talked to manufacturers this is how I traveled in China. And it's just a quick like two or three minute video but it gives the audience an insight into how I built this product and why I built this product. And then I, I want them to get to know me through social media so that when they see the brand, they can be like, oh, I know that guy. He knows what he's talking about. He's qualified to make this product because he's been living and working in China for 10 years and he travels a lot So I and he's worked for a lot of big brands. So therefore I trust this person. And that's really what I wanted to do. I wanted to build that trust factor with the customers. And I've done that through videos, which I'll be launching through the, um, the Ultra Facebook page. The website doesn't have too much at the moment because I'm kind of waiting until we get close to launch before I start releasing those videos. I don't uh-huh. want, I don't want people to get really excited about the product and then be like oh i can't buy it for another two months
0: so
1: i'm I'm holding off for now but on the facebook page you see quite a lot of that and i think it's just veltra or veltra world on facebook
0: that's awesome yeah we'll be sure to leave links in the show notes and uh yeah and you're doing a great job already because from what i've gathered you know i've already grasped you know that communication and that message so i think you're on track with that for sure yeah it's coming through which is awesome. So, folks, keep a lookout for that. I'd say that's awesome, and and uh, I'll be one of the first customers as well. So, what what are the best ways to follow you? I think we may have already mentioned them all, but I figure I'd ask again. Yeah, sure. Let, let, let's summarize. So, I'm probably most active on Instagram, which is just uh,
1: Kian underscore JG. And uh, feel free to just drop me a DM if you've got any questions about uh, branding products, China, whatever. Just feel free to, to shoot me a message. I check that quite regularly. And then if you want to know more tactical information and advice about sourcing products from China or building an e-commerce brand, uh, you can join the free Facebook group, which is just called Sourcing with Kian. And um, yeah, and if you want to learn more, uh, I mean, I'm on LinkedIn as well, just as Kian Gozari. And I've also got my personal website, kiangozari.com, where you can register there and you'll get sent a bunch of like free info later on as well. So yeah,
0: that, that's about it. Yeah, great stuff, man. Yeah. And we'll drop all the links in the show notes. And yeah, and I just remembered. uh, So yeah, that's cool that you're in LA. And I'd say, you know, I'm based out of Chicago. So if you ever passing through Chicago, let me know because we also I I put together this like meetup group It's now grown to like over 260 members, where we talk uh, e commerce and we do workshops, bigger events and stuff like that for for people to to talk more about e commerce and things. So never passing through Chicago, let me know. Oh, for sure. I'd love to. I really want to go to um Chicago Bears game because we started doing some work with uh, Khalil Mack.
1: Uh, awesome. The, the, yeah, the brand Active Dreamers. We had a booth in this show at Vegas and he came along and came through. And uh, yeah, we're going to do a little collection for him as well.
0: So hopefully get that game next season. Hey, that's great, man. Yeah, let me know for sure. We'll plan for that and uh, circle something around that for sure. This is awesome stuff, man. And actually just reminded me, is it cool to follow up with you maybe six months down the road? Actually, it might be in person then if you're coming yeah, to Chicago. Yeah. Say, yeah, if you want to do an episode by right here as well, because
1: there's a lot of topics. I mean, we went pretty deep there as well, but there's a lot of different topics on like, you know, how to find the right factory, how to negotiate the price you know, all this sort of stuff we can go into as well and take a deep dive into. So yeah, anytime, hit me up, give me a shout and we can dive into some more topics.
0: Yeah, that'd be awesome, man, for sure. Yeah, I feel like we could be talking for hours on this. Yeah, I want to be respectful of your time too. So uh, as we come to a wrap here, I want to give you a chance to leave some closing remarks with the audience. So I'll let you take it away. Oh, thanks very much. So, I mean, yeah, I just want to really finish with saying, you know, thanks very much
1: to yourself for hosting such an awesome podcast. And, you know, I was listening to a few episodes before I got on this as well. And there's so much value in it. So I, I know how hard it is to, to sort of develop and, and run a podcast. So first of all, thank you very much to you for everything you do for this community. I'm sure a lot of guys get a lot of value and you should definitely get a lot of credit for the education that you're putting out there as well. And thanks, appreciate it, bro. No worries, man. And I think just, you know, in, in 2020, I would say the main thing you, you really have to focus on is like, I go to a lot of these events and I see a lot of questions in the audience and people keep looking at like, all right, what are the hacks? What do I need to do in my business to get more sales? And I, I always say, like, improve the leader, improve the business. And I'm like, with before focusing on the business, focus on yourself first and be like, okay, if I want to grow a business which turns over $10 million or $50 million a year, who do I have to become as a person to achieve that outcome? Rather than, all right, what's the latest with Facebook that I can get reach all these people organically? It's like, no, what do I have to become as a person? Like, do I have to wake up earlier? Do I have to start meditating? Do I have to put more hours in? And then just really success leaves clues. So just monitor people who have the results that you want and figure out what they're doing and how they plan their day and how they work effectively. And then just model those habits. Like one of the best things that one of my friends told me to do was uh, to buy a productivity planner. And I'll, um, I'll send you a link to this as well. And the productivity planner just basically tells you to um, write the five most important tasks you have to accomplish that day and starting with the most important one. And you write it down because so often every day, we just start with the easy tasks rather than the important ones. And then you get to the end of the day and you didn't do what you set out to do. And you're like, all right, I'll do it tomorrow. And then it just procrastinates and procrastinates. And when you do that, and then you start the day with the intention of doing the most important task first, and you write it out like this planner allows you to do. You also work in 25-minute timers, which they call pomodoros. And I only work in 25-minute intervals. And on my laptop, I've got um, a timer for 25 minutes. When it finishes, it'll take a five minute break and I get into the next timer. And so I break my entire day down into the five tasks I have to achieve. And in how many 25 minute intervals it to take me to achieve each task. And I stick to that and every day I get, I work so efficiently and I get what I need to get done. And I feel that if that was talked about more often, rather than here's who you need to be following on YouTube to find out about Facebook ads, you'd be way more successful. So I would just say improve the leader and improve the business
0: powerful man yeah for sure that was great value great way to end the end the show awesome stuff kid man thanks for being on the podcast uh thanks for having me we have to do it again soon Thank you for listening to this episode of Tech Money Talks. Endorsed by Player FM, you help make Tech Money Talks the number one dropshipping podcast on the planet. You help the show go mainstream because Tech Money Talks podcast is now officially sponsored by Spotify. If you're ever in Chicago, join our Dropship Chicago meetup group held at 1871 to meet with me personally and other professional dropshippers. We do meetings weekly. I'm now producing new, valuable content on YouTube weekly. Go check it out and subscribe. Tech Money Talks is teaching you all about money-making opportunities that technology can bring. We're just getting started. There's more great things to come. Stay plugged in. Throw me a shout out and remember, you're just one product away.